Let's get back to more of the Scores Draft Preview Show with Anthony Heron, Dave Wonstead, and Patrick Manley. Brought to you by Revolution Solar, proud partner of the Chicago Bears on Sports Radio 670 The Score and always live on the free Odyssey app. Growing up, for me, uh, one of the, even one of the reasons I wore number seven was because Michael Vick. Uh, so um, he inspired me not only just to uh, be athletic and use my athleticism, but uh, as a black quarterback to stay in the pocket and throw the ball. And that's something that he was very underrated in. Uh, so, and then I like I looked up to Deshaun Washington a lot as somebody I feel like I have a similar playing style to. And then Joe Burrow uh, being able to create, uh, not being the fastest guy, but being able to kind of extend plays, uh, throw guys off of you, just be tough. And that's something that uh, that I feel like I'll do in this game. Two hours have flown by here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score: Anthony Heron, Patrick Manley, and the coach Dave Wanstead. Let's go back out to the Circle Resort Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Be joined by one of the best in the business. You will be watching him. You've been watching him, really, leading into this draft week on the NFL Network, and you will continue to watch him all throughout the weekend. Bucky Brooks, our guest here on The Score. He is on Twitter, at Bucky Brooks. Buck, how you doing this evening? Man, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Outstanding. We are excited for what we're going to watch Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with all these draft prospects on their way to uh, to make their bones as professionals. And you've been studying this thing, as you always do, really closely. And that was C.J. Stroud we heard from there. One of the things that, that Patrick and Coach and myself have been talking about a bit in the show tonight and want to broaden the conversation even beyond the Bears a bit with you here, but you know th- this test. Like, I took the Wonderlick when I was coming out. Patrick took the Wonderlick when he was coming out. You know, Coach evaluated guys using the Wonderlick. And now C.J. Stroud, who – had been prominently thought of as maybe a guy who the Panthers might have traded up to the top pick so Frank Reich could maybe get him with number one. You know, no big surprise. Maybe Bryce Young is the guy who's rumored to to perhaps be their pick. But now this S2 test has become a part of the conversation. And for a while it was the Wonderlick that folks would, would pay, pay a lot of attention to with quarterbacks specifically. And now apparently C.J. Stroud is kind of being knocked in the evaluation with the scores that have leaked from there. What do you know about how that process has played out, how this test is, is maybe different than the Wonderlick, and how much importance should be placed on it? Well, I mean, obviously it's a new test. Like going back to our days, like there were always different kinds of tests, whether it's the Wonderlick, the TAP test, uh, a million other psychological testing. The New York Giants always had a very extensive psychological test that all the prospects would take. And so every organization has something that they try and lean on to – kind of get a feel for the player because when you think about how many opportunities you have to get around the player, you don't really know. And you're about to make a multi-million dollar decision based on what you think a player is going to do, not only on the field, but fitting into the locker room. And so the S2 test, which is really popular in baseball has made its way over to football. And it's one of the things that uh, guys want to see how quarterbacks do on it because it assesses like processing speed and decision-making all of those things. But, it's still relatively new to the NFL game. So we don't have enough baseline to really know how it accurately assesses what a player is going to be at the next level based on what they score in this test. I think the one thing why people are hanging on it so hard is because reportedly Brock Purdy's fared really well on it. And everyone is thinking, okay, Brock Purdy fared well in it. He was underrated. He was a seventh round pick. Maybe there's some value and context to that. So, I don't know. I think for C.J. Stroud and for others who have kind of been, I don't say unfairly painted into a, a corner based on like the reported scores, I think you have to really be careful when you take those tests 
keep them in contact, but also trust your eyes and what you evaluated when you watched them play the game. Bucky, I hope you're okay talking to a Duke grad here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I want to get right into prospects. We talked early in the show, the Bears' needs are O-line, D-line, and I said corner as well. If the two or three top corners drop down to number nine for the Bears, who would you take and maybe give our listeners a, a little evaluation of those guys? You know, it's funny because those guys could very well be there. So, like, in my estimation, the top two guys are Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez in any particular order. Uh, uh, Witherspoon, coming from Illinois, is scheme-friendly. He can play in any scheme. He can play man or zone. He can play press. He can play off. He can bail. He can blitz off the edge. Like, he is the ideal corner that you want to build around because his toolbox is so deep and so expanded, so you can do a bunch of different things. Gonzalez is a bigger corner that everyone loves, over six foot tall, uh, really athletic, great ball skills, very comfortable playing off and in space. And he also would do a really good job in terms of being able to play man or zone. After that, it then becomes a little more stylistic. What do you want? Joey Porter Jr. is more of a in-your-face, bump-and-run guy. He has some, I would say, some tightness and stuff that doesn't necessarily make him a guy that you would want to play off in space. But when I think about number nine and which corner, I think the top two guys are more worthy of being in the top ten in terms of Gonzalez and Witherspoon. For me, I wouldn't necessarily place Joey Porter Jr. in that category just because I think when you think about top ten player, I mean, you're talking about a stud, and all-star. I don't necessarily see him like that. I see him as a starter. I don't see him as a high-end player from day one. Hey, Buck, Dave Wanstead here. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us. Uh, who, you know, you're, you're talking to all the people around the league and stuff. You do a great job on TV, by the way. Uh, and, but who, are there, is there one or two players that people are talking about, or at least in your opinion, uh, that you think all of a sudden they're climbing the ladder and, and maybe they were 15 to 20 pick and now they're looking at a possible, uh, you know, Top 15, you know, moving up five, ten spots. A couple guys have become hot the last week or two for whether it's a, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's the, the visit at the school or or more film study or whatever. Who's who's the hot guys that we're, we really haven't been talking about? Anybody? Well, so, okay, okay, so the high guy right now in the quarterback market is obviously Will Levis, right? Everyone is talking about him. People are talking about him being maybe the number two quarterback to come off the board. For me, it's kind of baffling because when you watch him play, uh, particularly his last season at Kentucky, he was all over the place. Turnovers, sacks, uh, questionable decisions, uh, didn't display the athleticism that he displayed the previous year. And I know we do this in our business, not only on the TV side, but when you work for a team, sometimes you chase ghosts. And so, so many of us misevaluated Josh Allen. And we didn't think that a guy could go from being inaccurate to being a high-end quarterback like Josh Allen has been. So we're spending a lot of our time chasing the next one that could be like that. And I think we just have to be careful. So he has been one that has risen up the charts. I'll say Anthony Richardson, the other quarterback, has been one where people are talking about the great combine performance and look at all this talent, all these things that he displayed, but he's never really put it together on the field. He didn't really put it together in high school. He didn't do it in college. But he's kind of been given this, Oh, he could be like Cam Newton, or oh, he could be like Jalen Hurts, but Lamar Jackson. But he never has had that kind of decorated collegiate career. So I worry about those guys. Um, I would say the one riser in terms of like guys that we're talking about that I don't know if we always talked about. There's a fascination with Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, hmm. and the conversation used to be Will Anderson went 
would be up there, Tyree Wilson, but Jalen Carter was above everybody as the number one defender. Well, now you're hearing people talk about Tyree Wilson because of the length. I think it's like an 86-inch wingspan, and he has these traits and first-step quickness. He has 17 and a half sacks over the last two years. By comparison, Will Anderson has 34 and a half sacks. He has 62 tackles for loss. And so watching that conversation go back and forth, where you have the supreme athlete versus the technical player, to me that has been a bit of a surprise that we've gone for the athleticism over the proven commodity when it comes to the production and some of the other stuff. Tonight's draft preview show is brought to you by Revolution Solar. Revolution Solar, proud partner of the Chicago Bears. And our guest on the hotline right now is Bucky Brooks of the NFL Network. He is on Twitter at Bucky Brooks. And I'm wondering, Buck, if the if there's a guy who could end up suiting the Bears, not in the top 10, but if we come back around to round number two, there's usually someone who was anticipated to come off the board that first night. And then a lot of folks are shocked that they're still sitting there and there's a little bit of concern, it seems, with Kalijah Kansi's size, you know, just right over six foot, right over 280 pounds. And, you know, people are probably going to hold it against him that he played at Pitt like Coach Wanstead. And I'm just I'm wondering if there's much of a chance. Could you see him falling and, and maybe the Bears having a chance to get into Kalijah Kansi in round two? Well, I mean, I think in this draft um, is light on what I would call blue chip players. You know, in most drafts you have 18 to 24 guys that are pretty consensus first-round talents. Guys around the league, regardless of your scheme or whatever, you can acknowledge that those guys are first-rounders. This year is lighter. I would say it's more like 15 guys that you would kind of put in that category. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have a huge group from uh, player number 16 to player number 46 that can go anywhere on the board. Kalaji Kansi could be one of those guys that get caught up in that wash where some teams may value him as a 18, 19th, 20th player on the board, other teams may see him in the 40s because of the height and some of the physical dimensions that aren't necessarily prototypical. So depending on what Matt Eberflus wants, that will really determine high or low on the Bears board. But, yeah, he certainly could be available in the second round because you just don't know if everyone is going to be excited about a six-foot, 280-pound D-tackle because that size, doesn't necessarily work in every defensive scheme. Bucky, as you're prepping for the draft on Thursday, Friday, Saturday this weekend, what are some of the anticipations? I know anything can happen during the draft. Trades, uh, picking a guy's guys sliding. What are some of the things you're maybe anticipating could happen this draft that, uh, that might surprise us? Uh, I, think, I think all of this conversation about the quarterbacks, uh, four quarterbacks are going the first ten picks and all that. I think it would turn out to be the guys would go where they were originally graded. Just like last year when we had the same conversation about Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter and all those guys, and it turned out Kenny Pickett was the only first-rounder, and those other guys didn't go to the third round. I think once we get a true feel for where the quarterbacks are really going to go, I think then we have a greater appreciation for a class that what I would say is deep in offensive tackles at the top. Uh, you got cornerbacks and defensive backs that are plentiful, particularly at corner. Uh, you have a, a series of edge rushers that are intriguing. And so once we get to kind of like the nuts and bolts of the draft, those positions and the tight end position, I think we'll have a greater appreciation for how talented those positions are. And I think teams will come away with some very, very good values and some players that have made contributions right away. Even though the draft is light on star power, there are plenty of starters that will come out of this draft. We've been talking a few times tonight about, you know, where the – 
line of scrimmage. Offensive and defensive line is where most of us feel like the Bears should pay the most attention. But then there's a couple of guys who are kind of like, you know what? If the Bears went there at number nine, wouldn't be too mad at him. B. John Robinson is a name we've talked about. Patrick was asking about some of the corners as well. I'm wondering, the wide receiver position, where the Bears have already made some moves this offseason to try and bone up the playmakers around Justin Fields, but do you see a wideout in this draft cycle who could potentially be worthy of a top-ten pick? Uh, I don't think there is a one, meaning a guy that is like a Jamar Chase, uh, a guy that comes in and you know, look, he comes in, he's the X receiver, he's going to command a double team, that kind of stuff. I think they have great complementary players, guys that if you understand exactly what role you're looking for, guys that can fit that role, meaning the number two receiver on the backside, that's your big play, your vertical stretch guy, or this is our slot receiver that's going to be our chain mover on third down. There are more of those kinds of wide receivers in this draft. I will say, though, in Big Ten country, Jackson Smith in Jigba hmm. is intriguing to me just because he is such a good route runner. He's very productive. Yes, he can play in the slot, but I see a guy who has a, a has more game in terms of being able to play outside or whatever. And I just think about how productive Chris Olave was, how productive Garrett Wilson uh, was last year, and this guy had more production when they all three played together. And so I would just keep an eye on him. But outside of that, I think you have to go fishing for uh, guys that you have of a specific role for more so than, hey, I'm going to take this down to guy and I'm going to figure out a way to use him because he's a true number one receiver. All right, the draft is almost here. I love listening to you and DJ on the Move the Sticks podcast and watching you on TV. Is it possible to watch too much tape as a scout is what you're doing? <laughs> I mean, you're, you're in your final week right before the draft. Are you done watching tape or are you still uh, still still checking some out? No, I think I'm done, man. And I think, like, here's, here's what I'll say. Like, we're not supposed to <laughs> Like, because we talk about the same people over and over and over again, and, like, sometimes you can get in that group thing. So you, you're looking at it. You make your notes. You have the reports. And then it's like, oh, well, we need you to do a top five list, like your third or fourth version. I'm like, hey, man, I don't really change them <laughs> like this. Because in, in a real organization, you wouldn't have all these changes. Coach would tell you. If I'm a scout and I keep changing, you're like, what is wrong with you? Like, either you like him or you don't. You wouldn't make all these changes that we make for entertainment value. And so the hardest thing for me is to, like, try to stay true to being a scout while also doing the edutainment part that you do on TV. Yeah, so now I'm done with the tape. I'm ready for the draft to come and go because I'd more like to see, okay, now that they're here, how are these teams going to use these players? It's one thing to think about players in terms of the whole league it's another thing to be with the team and say okay we get this player he's gonna play this role and this is how we can elevate his game hey bucky that reminds me our first year at dallas we were coming from college up from university of miami and we had if we were overkill i mean we went we had we had a posse <laughs> <laughs> and and we had a scout, a veteran scout. I think his son is still involved in the league in some capacity. The scout, our scout was Walt Jaworski was his name. And Walt okay. was the only guy before he got into scouting. Think of this. He was an offensive coordinator for an NFL team and a defensive coordinator for another oh. team. Oh, yeah. Look it up. Walt wow. and his son, wow. son became a scout. So, Here's old veteran Walt there, and we're in our 40s. We're out of our minds. You know, we, 
we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And just what Bucky's saying, we're tra- Jimmy said, well, who's okay. We'll move him up one, move him down one. And finally, Walt Jaworski stood up and he says, coach, I'm going to say one thing. And there was a few adjectives added. He says, if you like him, would you just draft him? <laughs> and he slammed the door and walked out. And Jimmy said, well, you, I do like him. Let's take him. <laughs> and that simplified the and whole That process. was the end of it. But I mean, back. He says, Coach, if you would do you like if you like him, just draft him. Let's move on. <laughs> Sometimes, hopefully, it so will be true, that man. simple. So uh, true. Uh, any, any lasting thought? Because we're all going to be watching you come Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, Buck. Anything that stands out to you just about everything we get to see once you finally get to that point on television? No, I just think it's the changing nature of the National Football League. Like just Everyone is trying to, to get the edge. And so you heard a lot of conversation come out the owners' meetings about, hey, the best way to build a team is, hey, your quarterback on a rookie deal, and then you can add all this other stuff. So that fascination in terms of team building and how teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, how do you continue to build and sustain a Super Bowl contender once you write the big check for the quarterback? Because soon, and very soon, maybe in Chicago, they may be faced with that with Justin Fields, and so looking at how you put the pieces of the puzzle together, because once you pay the quarterback, your drafting has to be at another level because you won't be able to go and free agency and do all the other stuff that people do. So watching how people utilize the draft to set themselves up to remain viable contenders, to me, that's the most fascinating part about this year's draft. One of the great talent evaluators in this business. You will see him all over the NFL Network for their NFL draft coverage. Bucky Brooks with us here on The Score. Appreciate your time, Buck. Hey, man, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Bucky. That is Bucky Brooks. He's on Twitter, at Bucky Brooks. There was some news that that broke uh, shortly before we came on the air here tonight that we haven't gotten around to that will have an effect. It will impact the Bears. I doubt it will impact their draft. It certainly shouldn't. But it's damn sure going to impact the future of the Chicago Bears franchise. Yeah, that mean man is gone from Lambeau. We'll discuss Aaron Rodgers next here on The Score. Let's get back to more of the Scores Draft Preview Show with Anthony Heron, Dave Wonstead, and Patrick Manley. Why is trading him the right thing for your team? Forget about him. Why is it the right thing for you guys? Yeah, I think, I think where our team is at, obviously Aaron's uh, you know, up there in age and has, you know, yeah, I don't know, however many years he has. I think he's got some really good football left in him. But uh, I think for us, it was just uh, as we got through the offseason and started talking about where we wanted to go, um, this made a little bit of sense for us. We wanted to get his input, like I've told you guys in, in the past, and would have loved to have that and kind of see where he sat with that. Um, that didn't happen. That was a little bit unfortunate and disappointing for me. But at the same time, um, I just think, you know, as we move forward, um, you know, uh, we're really excited where Jordan can go. He needs to play. And uh, having him sit another year, I think, um, would have really delayed kind of, you know, where we're going and what we're trying to build. Celebrations galore. Aaron Rodgers no longer in the division with the Chicago Bears. So our uh, long city nightmare felt like a national nightmare. The Green Bay Packers having a Hall of Fame QB behind center. For the moment, I guess we can at least uh, exhale, assume that maybe that run is coming to an end after about 30-plus years. They don't deserve another quarterback. I mean – yeah, we'll if see Jordan, what happens with Jordan Love. If Jordan Love becomes a Hall of <laughs> a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, forget it, right? Wait, what are we doing uh, wrong? I don't want to wish ill will on somebody, but I am on him. Just don't be that good, please. <laughs> I'm sick of the quarterbacks coming in here and 
you know, having to play against those guys. All I these mean, years. we saw the 49ers go from Joe Montana to Steve Young, but it was a more confined space of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you had what about a decade for Montana? It was like a handful of years before Steve Young got injured and, and left the sport. So it wasn't even quite 20 years with Montana and Young. This is over 30 years from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and just complete dominance over the Chicago Bears throughout that time. It hurts me when you say that because I was a part of a lot of those years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, me too. Me you too. were there. It was not fun. Guys, I, I turned 30 truth. in November. I've never seen the Packers not have a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> it's Sean only Sears been... is the prime example. Exactly. The station's 32, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember it's like crazy. People talk about like, oh, before what they had with Brett Favre. Like, I haven't seen that. It's only been really good quarterbacks. <laughs> the entire lifespan. You, you, know, what's, you, you know what's interesting, though, and, and – I don't know if it'll ever get out public, and, and I can't say who said it, but I talked to a couple coaches that the green, the feeling inside the Green Bay locker room, the exact quote was, we'll finally get our locker room back. Mm. Interesting. So, you know, I, I think the Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, what, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, as great a, great a player as he is, yeah. is and was and, and probably will be again, uh you know, there was there, there was something going on up there that uh, that people just – it wasn't good. Was he it always that way? I knew I him when he was know. younger. I played golf with him when he first came in the league, when he was far as back up and got to know him over the years and talked to him, you know, after games just saying hello or whatever. But the one that I met and hung out with in Southern California right. during the offseason a couple of times just didn't seem like the one that it's a guy my, now. My impression is no. Yeah. Like being, being around him a little bit and certainly knowing a lot of his teammates over the years, my impression is not exactly that. I mean, I guess to a certain extent, mm-hmm. you know, we all maybe just morph into what what's deepest inside us or something like that. But, you know, with, with his prominence, his control, his, his dominance over that team, his dominance over the league for so many years, you know, I mean, same thing kind of happened with Brett Favre over time right. also mm-hmm. where you just have that franchise in the palm of your hand. And I think part of it too, there's not – there's not a legitimate, a true ownership group in place to right. kind of put their thumb on them and say, well, no, you don't run things. I run right. things because right. there's not ownership truly there in Green Bay. It's just a different setup. So the de facto owner of the Packers, who's talked about owning the Bears, obviously has been their quarterback for years now. And it's just it's a different setup that they have there. I, I think you're right. I think it's a natural thing that happens. I, we witnessed it at Miami uh, when I left the Bears and went down there. Dan Marino, we lined up one time, and Danny's a pit guy, and we'd call play. If the corner walked up press, he was going to throw the fade. He was throwing the take. I think he threw like eight fades in a row. He mm-hmm. wouldn't run a play. He would not <laughs> run the ball. And, and uh, you know, that's just the way it was. Right. How it, old uh, was he when, he when you were down there? Wow. You know what? I, I don't know his age. That's I gotta a good question. Yeah. I'll look that up. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, yeah. But, but so I'm, my point is that that happens with these quarterbacks, uh-huh. and it's just a shame because Green Bay bent over backwards last year with the contract and did everything, right. and then the last game that they lose, you know, it, it, it just was a bad vibe, bad scene. I don't, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think they would have uh, ever got back to where they were and where they really expect to be. And their defense didn't help them either. I'll be curious. Mm-hmm. They got a rally. They had seven first-round picks on that defense. So, we'll see. And uh, when you look at the the compensation, Aaron Rodgers ends up going to the Jets, just for anyone who wasn't following it earlier. And so, the, the Green Bay Packers get their compensation in return. So, the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, pick number 15, 
2023 fifth round pick, which is going to be the 170th pick in next year's draft. The Packers, in return, got pick number 13. So they swap first round picks. Packers also get a 2023 second round pick, a sixth round pick, a conditional 2024 second round pick that becomes a first if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this season. Mm -hmm. So if he's the starter for the bulk of the year for two-thirds of the season, then they'll add a a second-round pick to that as well. So it feels like the Packers got a a nice haul in return for for Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career. It's not like he's got to stay there for multiple years and do a bunch. Just based off this season, then it really enhances a lot. Are you you surprised, Patrick, at the the haul Green Bay got in return? Yeah, the the conversation about the playing time gets me a little bit because it's a great thing they got because if he does play, then you get more competition. But – I'm just glad they got it done. Again, I'm just glad they got him out of town. I'm glad he's not coming here to Soldier Field once a year and we're going up there once a year to see him. But, uh, you know, it's just it's been an interesting offseason with him, with what the Packers have been saying about him, what he's been saying about the Packers. I just I found that very interesting that, you know, it's a he said, she said stuff, and it just sounds like now the GM there is kind of excited he's gone. <laughs> like you said, <laughs> Coach, like yeah. we don't have to deal with that headache. You love the great player, but that, that headache must have been just – Hundred percent, and and you know the other thing too with that sixty percent that goes to a first round pick next year, so that would give uh, Green Bay two first round picks. So now they're sitting where the Eagles were and where the Bears are going to be next year, where your quarterback Jordan Love, you you got to perform. Right. If you don't perform, the Packers are going to be sitting there a year from now with two first rounders, which is enough ammunition to go get yeah. a top quarterback coming out, and there'll be some good ones next year supposedly. So, so I. I as long as they get that other first round pick for next year, I think Green Bay's right where they need to be. Which uh, which movie was it, Sean? Was it The Dark Knight, where uh, I think maybe it was a Two Face said like you 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 die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become yeah, the villain? You nailed it there. Yep. Yeah, I think that that's kind of where where things ended up going with Aaron Rodgers throughout his time. Now in the Green now Bay. the Dolphins are get all tight and they'll panic and Tom Brady will go to the Dolphins. <laughs> I, I'm still not convinced he's retired for coach, sure either. Did Coach, did you hear what he said this week? This they, week? No. They, they asked Tom about um, – Was he in Vegas at some MMA fight trying yeah, to act like he was enjoying doing, retirement yeah, when he wasn't? And they said, hey, who, now that you're not a member of a team, you know, do you have a favorite? And he says, I got a lot of players on Miami's team that are good friends and I really like – Ah, uh, mm. yeah. And there he uh-huh. is with Ross down there, right? The uh-huh. Michigan grad and right. a little bit. Right. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know, too. You never say never with that guy. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> I'm not buying it yet, nope. either. We were talking a little bit with Bucky uh, about this this test. And I'm wondering, you know, like we talk about the, the Wonderlick has been around for so long. You know, we both took it. and you, you evaluated it, Coach. So, at quarterback, are you looking for all these different pieces of information, just parts of the evaluation I I think Bryce Young is the I think he's the top quarterback prospect in this draft cycle. I give him what I would consider a small edge over CJ Stroud, but I thought Frank Reich was trading up to get CJ Stroud. It seems like the conversation has turned to where the anticipation is that it's going to be Bryce Young. When you're looking at, at something like that, like wh- whether it's the Wonderlick before, now this S2 test now, and then just in comparing where Bryce Young scores off the charts on this thing apparently, the CJ Stroud uh, apparently did not. But when you're looking at when you're drafting a guy, especially at that position where you do want to figure out how do we judge his acumen, his decision-making, and all those things, how much do you end up weighing something like that? You know, you, you got to look at it. You can't stick your head in the sand. But I, I threw seven touchdowns to every one interception. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, the guy, 
that, that I don't you don't see that on the field. You doesn't stand back there and hold the ball and get sacked. You know, right. I mean, so you don't see that on the football field. That would be a great opportunity to bring them in and put the film on and just sit there and make it and 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 just talk to them and and you would get his football intelligence by able to do that and I'm sure the teams have done it so I still wouldn't count the Colts out just because Frank Reich is you know comes from the size quarterback this would be a little bit out of his mold uh you know of, of getting a guy undersized undersized a little bit we'll call him even though he's a great player, Bryce Young. So it'll be interesting. I don't think it's over yet for, for C.J. Stroud and in, 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 uh, Carolina Panthers, I'm sorry. I think that's interesting, Patrick, because I I really I, – I just – I figured with the Panthers being willing to trade up to number one overall mm-hmm. that they must have known who they left, even though there was so much reporting that they didn't. But it just seemed to me, if you're willing to trade up from nine to one and give up maybe your best offensive player and all the draft capital they did, then they were trading up with a player – in mind, I mean, do you think it's possible, plausible that they're still figuring that out, or have I, recently? Figured I, I'm it out? with you on that. I, I, coach, you know better than this. I think if you are willing to make that trade and get rid of DJ Moore, you have the guy in mind. You're going to rebuild your franchise, new coaches, new ownership. You have the guy you totally believe in. If you're going to make that big of a trade to go to number one, that's that's what I believe. And coach, you're right. And also, the game has changed a little bit too with the quarterback size and. The play calling, just the, the the defensive rules. I just think the game has changed for that quarterback position as well. That you don't have to be the yep. Peyton Manning or you know the six foot four quarterback anymore. And these guys now, you know, they go to all these passing camps. They're younger. These seven on seven stuff. I think their football acumen is better. And then you watch Bryce Young as well. He doesn't get balls tipped at the line. Yep. He finds the windows. And you know, mm-hmm. you talk about Drew Brees and how well he could do that. And you see similar traits with him. You know, working within the pocket of of just not getting balls tipped. So. I, he's he's an impressive guy, and it just I think he I think he's the number one pick. I feel like that's a that's the direction it seems to be going. I think both guys to me, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, both have the potential to be exceptional pros. I don't think either one of them is 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 going to be exceptional regardless of the situation they're in. I don't think either one is scheme proof or staff proof or anything. You know, maybe Joe Burrow seems like a guy who wherever Joe Burrow ended up. He was going to be a stud. I don't think either one of these guys is that necessarily. Right. I think both have the potential to be stars in the NFL. But, Coach, I can't remember if you said it on air or off air about Bill O'Brien and his evaluation of him. I mean, I would take a lot of, uh, you know, him evaluating Bryce Young. I mean, that, that, he's been around a lot of great quarterbacks, absolutely. been a head coach as well, and, you know, yeah. I think he's somebody you can lean on for an evaluation yeah, of that yeah, player. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, you know, and he they ran a pro system there, and he did it for two years. So you see the longevity. You see the intelligence. I mean, all you're really talking about is just the weight, you know, and, and there's real – but it is interesting. With Carolina making that trade, I mean, they uh, – you hope that they have their guy locked up. Now, the one thing that was interesting, when we had the first pick with Russell Mar- – we took Russell Maryland, uh, part of it was getting him signed too. And at that time, Lee Steinberg had Russell. And I remember that before we drafted him, uh, we could have traded out of that pick, but we liked him. We coached him at Miami, recruited him, all that stuff. Uh, they, we, Jimmy came in and said, you know, obviously we're going to take Russell, and we've agreed to the contract. And so, I, I, you know, no one ever talks about that, but there can be some real issues. I mean, there's some of these agents out there that you don't want to deal with. You uh, really don't want to deal yeah. with, and there's other guys that are good. And they're fair, and they're going to do the best for their client, but everybody's going to be good with it. 
and you'll get a deal worked out with them. I don't know who either one of these kids have with their agents, uh, but it wouldn't like be. Rosenhaus is down there in Miami, right? Is he uh, a huge headache, Drew Rosenhaus? Well, he had about three-quarters of our – he was at – when I was coaching – He used at, to hang out outside the stadium at, at, at the every, U, right? Every day. Well, no, he was going to law school when I was coaching at the University of Miami. Okay. We had practices were open, and he, him and his brother would sit in the stands after practice. I think huh. I think Mike Wervin was his first. Did you guys have rules back then? No, coach. no. We were, Wild West. We, we, were at my, we were at University of Miami. We had no rules. No Outlaw uh, you. The rule sure was they, no rule. Make, make, make sure they got off the bus. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you did okay once they made it off the yeah. bus. But my point is, let's say that Carolina is unsure of these two mm-hmm. guys, and and they could go. They would be happy with either player. And one guy says, hey, I'll, I'll get that contract done tomorrow mm. or, or before the draft, and he'll be there. And the other guy says, well, you know, we're going to try to break mm. the market. I mean, right. that could be a factor. You don't know. Yeah, I, I feel you on that. I mean, everybody wants to pay as little as possible. But that rookie wage scale that you got in place now, that does help control some of those costs. Tonight's draft preview show is brought to you by Revolution Solar, proud partner of the Chicago Bears. And throughout the remainder of the week, Obviously, the draft itself will be on Thursday. Gabe Ramirez is going to be live exclusively on the Odyssey app from 2 to 4 p.m. During the Cubs game, Mark Grody will join during the 2 p.m. hour from Hallis Hall. Then, after the Cubs game ends, Parkins and Spiegel will have their draft special. That's going to have the coach, Dave Wanstead, a guy, Patrick Manley, the longest tenured bear ever. They're going to be on from 5 to 9 after Cubs post game ends. And then you will have myself. And Chuck Swirsky, the Hall of Famer, from 9 until midnight, bringing you everything else that happens with the Bears, their pick. You'll hear from the Bears brass. You'll hear from the Bears pick. We'll get into all those things up until what will become Friday morning at midnight. Then on Friday itself, rounds 2 and 3 will be taking place after first-round action on Thursday night. Gabe Ramirez and Mark Grody will be on from 9 until midnight after Cubs postgame ends. Then Saturday, Mully and Haw will have a special show for you. After round, well, during rounds four through seven, that's going to be nine to noon, and they will have following them Gabriel Ramirez, Mark Grody, and Hub Arkers from noon until two thirty. Wall to wall coverage every round of the NFL draft, everything the Bears are getting done. You will hear that here on the score, but we have predictions to make. I tweeted it out before the show. Going to get a prediction from Patrick Bannon. Going to get a prediction from Dave Wanstead. I will let you know myself as well. Who do we believe the Bears will take when Thursday night comes around? That is how we will close the show here. Anthony Heron, Patrick Manley, Dave Weinstead, our guy Sean Sears on the ones and two, about to close this thing out on the score. Let's get back to more of the score's draft preview show with Anthony Heron, Dave Weinstead, and Patrick Manley. But as much as it hurt, as much as he didn't want to give up, he was that last piece that enabled the trade to be completed, correct? Yeah, because when you look at the, the trade itself, it wasn't the draft pick. You got it done. You know, it was one draft pick. There were two from there. Um, so it was DJ Moore that put it over the top. Well, Scott Federer on the Adam Schefter podcast, talking about DJ Moore being the key portion of that trade to get the deal done as the Bears traded down from number one to number nine in the NFL draft. So at the moment, that is where they sit. That is when they will be on the clock. I'd say by this point, the Bears will definitively have made their pick on Thursday if they stay at number nine. We talked a bit earlier in the show about, you know, if we anticipated the Bears may move up, may move down. But let's operate in a world where we presume the Bears will be picking at nine. Patrick Manley, I will begin with you, sir. 
as we have talked about the variety of the position groups. We haven't talked about any of the specialists, yep. uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Why? Well, later in the week. We can get to that later in the Seventh week. Seventh round free Thursday, agents. right? Yeah, there you go. But if the Bears are on the clock at 9, who do you anticipate? What is your guessment? Everybody, make sure mm-hmm. out there. Place your bets. I'm sure there's odds on, on where the Bears are going to go, who they're going to snatch up. So go ahead and utilize one of us, utilize all of us, but who you're putting your money on, listen closely, Patrick Manley. Who would the Bears well, be taking at number nine? As we know, it's all a guessing game, but <laughs> Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham are for, former O-linemen, mm-hmm. and it's their first first-round pick. And I think, you know, we talked about Jalen Carter. If he's there, would you take him? I said yes. Uh, I don't think he'll be there, mm. but I think this is a pick you have to go safety first. Okay. And to me, the safest pick is Peter Skronsky uh, yeah. because he's he's a – you know, talk about his arm length and all that kind of stuff. Very good player in college. Technique is off the charts. But if he doesn't work at tackle, you can move him to guard. And I think he'll be a great guard. But I think he's the safest pick there. And I think when you're doing this rebuild, and we've talked about it's a couple of years, it's not just this year. You're not by, you know trying to fill one hole. You're filling many. I think he's the safest pick out there. And I would be, all right, good, 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 safe pick. Let's try him at tackle, try him at left tackle, try him at right tackle, and then plug him in at guard if we have to do that. But if – as the experts say, you put him at guard, he's going to be a pro bowler, and mm-hmm. then, you, then you've hit. You've hit on the, on the number nine pick. So Peter Skronsky would be the one I would feel safest with, and, and, and I, that's the one I anticipate them to take. And lay your head on the pillow feeling like, yes. you know what, we got a guy mm-hmm. who's going to play for us for a while. Yeah. Gotta- and then you can go you know, later with another nine picks, or maybe you trade down, and then, then you can take some flyers and try to find those other players that you, know, that you need a lot of help with. But I think that's the safest pick, and that's the one I, I can see them taking. All right, Patrick Manley, feeling secure. You know, feeling like the Bears will, will go the the safe and secure route with a guy that probably has the highest floor of any of the offensive linemen who we're evaluating the, in this process. Coach Dave Wanstead, you have had to be involved in these decisions time and time again in the past. What is your guess, sir, for where the Bears go at nine? I'm blaming Sean Sears. I'm blaming Sean Sears. It's late at night. And Sean forgot to turn Coach's mic back yeah, on. That's all right. I'll just I'll just sit here. I, I'm a bad teammate. I'm about I'm about done anyway. Um, I want it's, to hear from you, Coach. I promise. Well, no, you're you're not you're not going to want to hear because I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same thing that that Pat just said. I thought he believe he was looking at my paper. Uh, no, seriously, I I think the Bears want to take a defensive guy. Uh, the two guys that I think they would love to have are both going to be gone. I do not think that they will take uh, Jalen Carter. And when you look at Peter, I, I think they're going to take Sharonsky. I would agree exactly with Pat. You know, think think about this. Know who Northwestern, and they let, – let's slow down for a second here. Look okay. at Northwestern's offense. Three hours in, we're going to slow down. Okay. they they Northwestern's offense, they were behind in almost every game, yeah, right? Right. Right? No doubt. Uh, and when you're behind, what do you have to do to win? you got to throw the ball. Got to drop back. So they were dropped back. They were throwing the football. This guy gave up one sack all year long, mm-hmm. and he's playing against the Big Ten. I mean, he's playing against some of the best players in, in, the, uh, in the country that we're talking about being top draft picks. So is it a safe bet? Yes, I think it's a sound bet. Uh, I think you put him at tackle and go about your business and, and, and forget about it. I said it earlier talking to you guys. You know, a couple people were comparing him to Zach Martin when he came out. Uh, and the Cowboys took him. They took him 16th. I looked that up, and he was an offensive tackle when he came out. And, you know, now he – and for a while there, he was arguably one of the best centers in football. So, 
he's a player. He's a he's a can't miss guy. If there was such a one, I think that that's where they're thinking. And I'll close with this: when you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, with they love drafting offensive players. That's just been their mentality. So I think it all fits. I don't think you, either of you sound crazy. And it's very plausible what you're saying here that maybe Peter Skronsky is the direction they go. I believe they're going to take Paris Johnson. I think that for where the Bears are at right now, it, to me it's a sliding scale, a combination of guys who you feel like have high floors, which I would agree. I don't think the floor of Paris Johnson is as high as Peter Skronsky. There's potential for more of what we might term as bust in Johnson than Skronsky. But I think both are going to be excellent pros. Paris Johnson has played on the right side. He's played there at guard, not necessarily as much at tackle, but he has played at a high level on the right side of the offensive line. And also the athleticism is off the charts as well. I, I think he's a guy who has more elite potential, a higher ceiling to use our, our common draft phrase than Peter Skaronsky does. Neither guy's film is spotless. I've seen Peter Skaronsky get run over by Lucas Van Ness. I've seen Paris Johnson get run over by Lucas Van Ness. Neither guy. Why don't they take Lucas? Why don't they take him? Because <laughs> he, he needs some season. Oh, okay. He uh, needs some season. Jeez, now you, you know? I'm ready to switch my pick. <laughs> You're convincing me he here. Use, he could use a little seasoning. You take a guy at number nine, you want to plug him in and have him be your starter and play at a high level immediately for where the Bears are at. I don't think Van Ness is, is that guy. I think Paris Johnson has every potential to be that guy, though. And if it's not on the left side, it can be on the right side. I believe he's, he's got the potential to be an elite offensive tackle in football. We shall see. We are just a few evenings away from finding that out. But we have given you everything we can give you for tonight. More will be on the way in the remainder of this week. Our thanks to all the fabulous, spectacular, stupendous guests that we had on the show this evening. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Colt Kublik from the SEC Network. Our guy, Hub Arkish of Shaw Media and Pro Football Weekly and the man himself, Bucky Brooks of NFL Media and the NFL Network. We'll keep it locked here for the coach, Dave Wanstead, for Patrick Manley, for Sean Sears. I am Anthony Heron. This has been the Draft Preview Show on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score.